It's up to you. What'll we do? What'll we do? Well, it's up to you. You know, it ain't that funny. You contribute all my money. You make your contribution, then you get your solution. As long as you can pay, I'm gonna do it all your way. Yes, the money talks and the people walk. Yeah. Now let me hear you say it. Big money. 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 Really real. The name of our game is Let's Make a Deal. Now people got their problems, the haves and the have nots, but the ones that make me listen pay for 30 second spots. 30 Yo, Bank of America, this table over here, Wells Fargo and Citibank, you really very dear. Loan billions to Mexico and never have to fear, cause taxpayers, taxpayers, take it in the rear. Take it in the rear, take it in the rear, take it in the rear. Yo, over here, we got our friends from oil. They don't give a shit how much wilderness they spoil. They tell us that they're careful. We know that it's a lie. As long as we keep driving cars, they let the planet die. Let the planet die. Let the planet die. Exxon, Mobile, the salt is in Kuwait. If we still got the Middle East, the atmosphere can wait. The Arabs got the oil. We buy everything they sell. But if the brothers raise the price, we blow them all to hell. Now let me hear you say it. Saddam. Saddam. Who say I want you to get me a phone number, a Dr. Morris Fishman, UCLA, he's at the Department of Psychiatry. Go, get the number now, get it now, go. Everybody gonna get sick someday, but nobody know how they gonna pay. Healthcare, managed care, HMOs, ain't gonna work, no sir, not those, cause the thing that's the same in every one of these, these motherfuckers there, the insurance companies. Call it single payer or Canadian way. Only socialized medicine will ever save the day. Come on now, let me hear that dirty word. Socialism! Cinema 9. Travis is over there. Eric is down there. And we are live, at least in our lifetime, for the Cinema 9 podcast. Cinema9podgmail.com. And make sure you five star review. Subscribe to the YouTube. And today's focus will be Bullworth. That's right. I chose this movie from 1998, the year all three of us graduated from high school. Bullworth. I mean, you talk about a movie that defines our graduating year. 
No, I'm just kidding. I don't know anything about that, but that's what we'll focus on in a little bit. But uh, first, we always like to say hello, see how everyone's doing. Travis, how are you doing? What's going on? I'm doing well, doing quite well. I'm work, working again, but like part time and not all my students are back. So I was essentially told to just show them movies. So did some of the classics like Forrest Gump and that kind of stuff this week. It's Bullworth. been fun. Uh, didn't watch that with the kids. Didn't <laughs> didn't cross didn't cross my mind to watch that with my with my students. Oh, well, that's <laughs> I shocking. teach a government class. I yeah, I thought it was a natural class. fit. Yeah, <laughs> maybe not. Eric, you teach, but you're off right now. It's summertime. Uh, I do want to remind people, Eric doesn't do it, but you know we updated our YouTube page so you can see and click on Eric's profile to watch his latest short film. It's called Instant Life. That's all I'm going to say. Check it out. It's a real easy access point on the Cinema Nine YouTube. I'm so happy to be here to talk about Warren Beatty's Bullworth. Uh, we've made a lot of jokes about this over the past few years, but uh, it's time to get serious. Does this hold up? <laughs> Is it? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, and if you want to listen to me and Eric talk more, he uh, is on my most recent episode of 9394, my podcast, music podcast. He's talking Weezer's Blue Album, and I had a lot of fun doing that, Eric. Turned out great. <laughs> I was happy with it. Eric's, if Eric is pleased, that's really saying something, because <laughs> usually he's the ultimate critic of his own work. This is true. He's a harsh man on himself, but not on others. But he's thorough. with others. Harsh, but thorough. Mm. Uh, you know, for me, it's... Uh, Mid to late July, uh, our Canadian rental ends in like two weeks, so mm. we've got to find a new place to Goodbye. live, trying to find that in America, and uh, yeah, I, I got I saw an old friend of ours, I got, I was hoping to see both of them, the Ferns, Derek, who's been a guest on the show before, Derek Fern, he did the I Heart Huckabees episode, if you've missed that, you can go back in time and see that anytime, or listen to it on your preferred podcast platform. But uh, unfortunately, Derek couldn't make our dinner, so me and Leanne went out with Emily, and we we did go to our friend Jamie's restaurant in Ypsilanti. Oh. So anybody who lives in the Michigan metro area, like Metro Detroit, if you ever get a chance, check out the Bellflower. It's a delicious restaurant in Ypsilanti. You might think, what? Not Ann Arbor? Yeah, okay, I'll give you that. But hey, I'm telling you, this place is delicious. This place is so popular that Mark Bernstein from the Bernstein's Family Law was in attendance Friday night, so... Oh, wow. Yeah. It's good enough for the Bernsteins. <laughs> right, yeah, I know <laughs> I know. we all follow the trends of the Bernsteins, so it means a lot to especially confirm a restaurant being cool or not. But anyway, I feel, extra, privi I feel extra privileged that I got to see Derek and Emily last weekend. Yeah, um, you know, uh, you, you sometimes sometimes things happen. I don't know. I, I'll just yeah. leave it there. But anyway. Chit oppin. Chit oppin. Oppin. <laughs> yeah. It was great to see uh, Emily and Derek. If you, you, I think Derek still consumes our show. Hi, Derek. Hope you're well. We love you, Derek. All right, let's talk a little bit of <laughs> quarantine viewing picks. Travis Roy, what's happening in your film world? Let's see. Uh, I checked out some films. You know, I love Willem Dafoe so much. And that movie Inside, that from 2023, where he plays an art thief locked in a room, that could go one way or another. And it kind of went the oh. other. I was really quite bored throughout. I'm just, it's just a dude in a room. Um, wasn't... I mean, as much as I love Willem Dafoe, it just yeah, it didn't grab me. Uh, and another one, kind of a disappointment I checked out. Actually, there's a lot of disappointments this week. Uh, I, I've mentioned the films of Noah Bush, uh, Noel, Noah Bushel, I think his name is pronounced, before. Uh, I love Glass Chin. I love The Sparrows Dance. But then I checked out uh, The Phenom, which is based, uh, Mike, you might know this dude, Rick Akeel, uh, uh, Ankeel. Yes. Uh, a baseball player, right? He's a pitcher so who lost his way. 
Yeah, so it's loosely based on him. Paul Giamatti plays like the the guy that's trying, the therapist trying to get him off the yips, and Ethan Hawke plays his dad. So oh. it, it seemed like it's going to be great, especially based on the dude's previous work, and it was just kind of uh, fell short. I was disappointed in that one. Where is this at? Where can I watch the Fina? Uh, it was, I think it's on the Roku channel. Cool. I'm going to check it out for yeah. sure. I had not heard of this whatsoever, but I'm instantly interested. I would recommend Glass Chin b before, um, you know, if I'm going to recommend any, any Noah Bushel movies, I'd recommend the Glass Chin, Billy Crudup, and what That's great. <laughs> Does he, he not want that, people apparently. to say crud up? Oh, he hates it? Yeah, okay, I figured. Yeah, crud he up. hates it. It's like, hi, I'm Travis Shit Roy. Like, <laughs> no, no, it's pronounced Roy, actually. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Common um, you know, Christian came, yeah. <laughs> My buddy, our buddy, Christian came over last night and we watched a couple movies. I watched Doc Hollywood again. He was like, want to watch that? I'm like, yeah, I just watched it two months ago. I'll watch it again. I don't give a fuck because uh, I love it. And you would do that. Yeah, I would, and I'll probably do it again soon. Yeah. We watched Evil Dead Rise. Christian fucking hated it. Uh, just just despised it. I liked it enough to not turn it oh, off. Oh man! Which which tells you about what? how it was. I was I was pretty underwhelmed by this movie. I gotta say, um, yeah, can't can't recommend it. Holy shit! Um, it got some good reviews, but I don't know what movie those people what, watched. What went wrong? Frankly, it was just. I mean, I found it really just. It was just dumb. It was just oh. dumb. I, I, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm not a good reviewer, I guess. But it was, there was just a lot of, like, groan-worthy shit where I'm just like, oh, come on. Oh, come on. Oh, Why did you make that choice? Okay. I mean, it had its moments, Fuck. but I don't know. It wasn't great. I mean, so, by also, the way, to Christian, clarify, this is, like, a new yeah. chapter in the Evil Dead series? Yeah, I mean, there was the Evil Dead reboot in 2012 or 13, which I thought was quite good. Fantastic. So I was ready for this. And, uh, you know, Christian apologized for shitting all over it. We watched it. Maybe it did benefit, or maybe it did influence me. <laughs> <laughs> Someone was in my ear being, what the fuck, the whole time. <laughs> but, it, no, it wasn't. I can't blame him. It just it wasn't. It's subpar. That's all I can say. So my big, my big uh, speaking of Michael J. Fox, I watched still mm. the documentary about his life. And... Holy shit, the production value on this thing. Again, when you're doing these documentaries about these public figures that we have so much footage of in all these different places, and then they take all that and they're combining it with really well done dramatizations and that kind of stuff. It is it is a really, really oh, top-notch quality memoir of a, of a documentary. There's a reason why I got uh, nominated for an, Emmy, for an Emmy, I believe. Definitely check that one out. Still. Still. I yeah, I want to see that too. It's Still great. want to see that. And okay. Ah! Eric, what's going on in your film world? <laughs> uh Devil's Peak. I saw Billy Bob Thornton and I hit play. Well, no, I hit I hit rent immediately. I paid the five dollars because I I see Billy Bob Thornton Thornton. Film stars Hopper Penn, Sean Penn's kid. I'm like, hmm, I wonder if this kid can act. Like um Billy Bob Thornton plays like this, like patriarchal meth dealer in the um appalachian mountains i'm like okay this guy is can be very sinister when he wants to uh let's see what's going on here uh, no no i had a feeling yeah, you're gonna it's say like oh like, just there's not much there <laughs> opera pen like oh. uh, god love him yeah he just like makes faces the whole time <laughs> not much of an actor <laughs> Uh, can't recommend the film, but uh, you know we'll see uh, see what else comes out of that this uh, performer. Um, Megan, I like Megan. Yeah, I saw it on Amazon Prime. I, like I turned Megan it on too. like all cynical. Yeah. I'm like, ah, fuck this, another killer doll movie. Fucking James Wan, fucking Blumhouse. 
Yeah, well, I liked it a lot. <laughs> I liked it a lot. I mean, it's fun. It basically was the Chucky reboot, uh, repackaged. Yeah. Um, but it, it was fun. Good. It was uh, just the right amount of like camp in horror. I think if it didn't have the camp that it did, I would have been like, oh, it's fucking typical, like again with the shit. But yeah, cheeky and kind of fun. Um, other than that, there's been a lot of Gilmore Girls in the background around here. You know, when you're you live with someone and they, <laughs> Is that they start a series, it's like seven seasons long. You just kind of watch it too, even if you're trying not to. I don't know what this show is. Like every time I look at the screen, they're just yakking and yakking and yakking and yakking. I don't even know what the hell the plot of this story is, but yeah, I don't know. Oh, uh, Eric, I also watched a couple episodes of Sightings from back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> I meant oh, to tell you, yeah. they're on YouTube. Yeah, fun show, man. <laughs> fun show. Sightings. You know, that's, I mean, that's about it. I've been, uh, I'm still trying to stain this deck, and that's very time-consuming. So there you go. Look at you. That's impressive. You really are quite the uh, the husband, the domesticated husband. I'm proud of you. Hey, hi, Fawn. How you doing? Hi. Hey, Fawn again. Um, yeah. I had done something. I didn't know I would enjoy it, but I really enjoy it. And I got to I gotta tell you, I don't think, I definitely don't think Travis is going to like this. I don't think Eric will <laughs> like it. I think both of you probably won't oh, like boy. this. But I see this as maybe kind of the way of the future as well. Yeah. And I'm not really thrilled about this either. I basically, people on YouTube, they take a show. So I watched, it's The Sopranos, okay? And they take every season of Sopranos, and it's just nonstop. It's a playlist of Sopranos by season. Someone started at season one, went through every season, and they make like two and a half maximum no clip is longer than four minutes, okay? But it's just endless clips from each episode in order all the way through. So you basically get, like, the highlights of a season by watching, like, 85 oh, quick videos Jesus. of a season. And I I did it. I just, I just, they just kept on going. I was like, oh, yeah, that part. And all that, okay. All the, all the bullshit. The Sopranos is an incredible show. It's not filled with much bullshit, but... I really enjoyed it. So I, I watched this guy's YouTube channel, season one, season two. Each playlist had like 85 different videos of two and a half to four minutes long. And I, I dug it. And I'm kind of concerned that this will become more popular as time goes on. I'm not proud of it, but. <laughs> That's funny, man. I actually just an hour ago, two hours ago, restarted no episode one of The Sopranos. I'm, I'm going to re-binge. And I'm going to do it the proper way because I'm a fucking purist, you monster. <laughs> I know. Hey, <laughs> I told you you wouldn't like it, and I, I don't, don't know like how it, I feel right? about it like, either. We but can I can handle you. I did consume it through our spotlight uh, podcast uh, movies, but <laughs> Sopranos. Come on, <laughs> I love Sopranos. I I did a rewatch recently. I'm so I'm good on a full rewatch. But I'm just saying. <laughs> I know some of you guys out there. You probably know what I'm talking about. You may or not be aware of this. I'm just letting you know that it does exist. And this reminds me, Mike, become more like popular. these. There's these people out there that will like play podcasts at like 1.5. Who does this? Oh, yeah. Leanne's like that, man. I can't stand it, but she doesn't have enough time in the I day, apparently. Baffling yeah. to me. Strange. As someone who thought I enjoy, I think I, uh, you know, I appreciate artists and broadcasters who have quality voices and there's little uh, idiosyncrasies between all of the people who create content and put it out through a microphone i want to get it as it is there i'm a purist for sure 100 percent, eric no one's watched the rock hudson i'm doing that after the show oh shit I, I, I just don't i keep forgetting i gotta it's see it too. I, just, I can only watch so many docs a week i gotta i don't know oh you, you got know, a doc I, I love them. well i got i got, I got, I got doc a doc hollywood limit, you know but no docs 
<laughs> exactly. One, well, I watched one documentary, one Doc Hollywood. Um, you know. Shit. Well, okay. I guess Mike's done. <laughs> That's it oh, for me. I had to plug in my adapter. All right. So, yeah, I did that. I also watched a bunch of movies, but a lot of them are possible picks for the show, so I can't mm. get into the details because those of you that know, if you don't know, if you're new to Cinema 9... Again, we love newcomers. Cinema and iPod at gmail.com. Subscribe to YouTube. Check us out on your preferred podcast platform. I tell you, we don't like to talk about movies we watch that we might bring to the show later because it kind of ruins it. So Ever since the traffic incident, something we do around here. I've had uh, supporting that <laughs> policy. You I say that like it was one. a car accident. <laughs> Ever since that traffic incident. Week. They're like, yeah. <laughs> the it changed incident. my life forever. I haven't been the same. <laughs> Yeah, I watched one this week that I'm probably gonna, I'm probably going to bring on. So I was see, it. it happens every week, probably I, with all of us. I knew I wasn't alone. That's good to know. Uh, yeah, I, I guess that's it. I'll leave it there. There's, I did, <laughs> I uh, no, I can't talk about them. I can't talk about any of these. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> oh, I can talk about this one. There's one. There's one more I did watch. This is called. The, did I mention this last week? I think I did. Actually, I'm gonna take it back. Okay. All right. The lookout. Did I mention the lookout last week? You did not, but it's a good movie. You know the movie, yeah. Um, it's uh, Jeff uh, Jeff Daniels and uh, I'm blanking on his name. JGL, Third Rock for the Sun. Yes, of course. Joseph, Joseph jo- Gordon. Joseph Gordon Levitt came to That's, me, mm-hmm. or you prompted me. Yeah, good movie. And um, the guy from The Watchmen, uh, Matthew Good. Is that his name? Oh yeah, he was yeah. great in it. Hmm. It's a good movie. Strongly recommend it. Look out. Never heard of it. I love, I love Joseph Gordon Levitt. Most of his films, you know. Brick, Manic, all the other stuff he did before he became really popular. And this is definitely another one to add to the list. So check out The Lookout if you haven't yeah. seen it. Definitely a solid it came film. Out around, yeah, it came out around Brick. I remember it was like 2012 or something like that. It was kind of before he started making a bunch of good stuff. You know, yeah, it was, it was kind pre-inception. Of like it was like, I think it was I think it was the first movie I saw that I was like, oh, shit, dude can act. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, if I would have seen it that way originally, I agree. But for me, that was probably... Brick, but it, uh, Lookout came out in 07, so check out The Lookout if you get a chance to. All right, there you go. That's fun. Cinema Podcast, we're here for you. And today's episode does focus, just like we do every week, we have a movie that we get into the nuts and bolts, the nitty-gritty of it all. Detailed analysis of my selection, Bullworth, 1998 film. Basically, completely created in all aspects by Warren Beatty, as he often does with his films, where he directs it and he produces it and he writes it and he obsesses over it for way too long. And I mean, this guy's got a does this guy have a serious ego problem or is he just really (laughs) particular? I'm not sure what it is. Maybe a bit of both. Yeah, you're right. An auteur auteur and an egoist. I mean, that wouldn't he wouldn't be the first. No, he certainly wouldn't be the first. Um, But this movie, I brought it to the table because I thought, okay. Is there anything of note here besides what I remember, and frankly, most people probably remember, is that Warren Beatty's <laughs> rapping. He's like yeah. 60 years old and, uh, you know, all that and stuff. Rapping. So, rapping. And ra- yes. a lot of rapping. But do, yep. you, do you remember uh, seeing this movie for the first time, Travis? I don't know if it sticks with you or not. I mean, yeah, that fucking stupid ass cover. <laughs> there it is. That, crawling out of his Burping own mouth. His rapper uh, out of his mouth. Yeah, I worked at Blockbuster. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Eric and I worked at Blockbuster when this came out, so you know we got five free rentals a week, and we can push that. So um, we we I watched everything. I watched everything in '98, and so I've, I of course watched this and was bemused, and never <laughs> saw it again until uh, the night before last. 
What about you, Eric? Any memories? Oh, dude, this poster, this cover box. I had to shelve this thing every day. I just put it back on the shelf while staring right like two inches away from this morbid <laughs> fucking big mouth face that's, again, just birthing <laughs> this fucking weirdo rap baby. Like, and, like, I couldn't do it. Like, for the longest time, I was like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I can't do it. This cover box is too stupid. And I ran at it, and, like, I don't really remember the experience. It was just so bizarre and like there's so much lunacy around this whole product that i don't really even remember seeing it but i do remember making fun of it and i remember all of the, i mean the soundtrack <laughs> i remember all the music associated with it but I, I don't really remember sitting down and actually watching it i just remember forming an opinion that's lasted these past 25 years about it that's about it <laughs> yep i Cannot actually recall the specific viewing, but it certainly was around the time it came out on VHS and it was put on and it was just so absurd. It was a lot of commentary like, this is so dumb. I'm sure I said that. This is so stupid. Many times, probably. Um, actually, you know, I think about that too. I, I did want to mention this because I think it's important. Nobody else will care. But, you know, yesterday was the anniversary of our friend, Ryan Liberty. He died 20 years ago yesterday. And, uh, just want to shout out that Ryan, if Ryan was alive today, he would probably be on this podcast for sure. He'd probably be doing his mm -hmm. own podcast. He was a very entertaining guy, and he was always very supportive of, like, me doing, uh, you know, I went to a vocational school for broadcasting after our first friend, sadly, died, Brandon, and uh, he was always very supportive of that. So I always feel like he would have been a great entertainer himself because he was. He had, like, a big personality. And just wanted to mention that. 20 years, man. I miss you, Ryan. We all miss you, of course. And, uh can't hear us because he's not here but just wanted to bring that up because i was thinking about watching movies and where i might have been when i watched this film god rest ah so yep miss yeah. you buddy what's the score on this film bullworth every week we pick the imdb rating what is it on bullworth is it just shit is it like Hang a 2.7 i'm still adjusting to like the the, the memorial slash bullworth crossover here that's that's a, it's a rocky road to ride uh, <laughs> well there's no Love way to transition I, what else am i supposed to do no, I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess six point two. Oh, yeah, I am right in that area, my friend. Um, six point five. I'm gonna say this is. A, I'm gonna say this is a five point seven. <laughs> that make that can make it one of our lowest. I think. Yeah, that probably would. And the actual answer on Bullworth is. Oh my. Wow. To breach seven. Six point eight. Okay. 6.8. I will right. say, very, very low turnout on this, though. Only 27,000 ratings. That's pretty low. Doesn't surprise me. It doesn't seem like one that people talk about other than us, and we are making fun of it <laughs> and on very much on a surface level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard someone bring this movie up. You're right. I can't think of a yeah. conversation in a no. recent time where, hey, you know, Bullworth, what's the deal on that? <laughs> you guys, you guys scoped out Bullworth lately? You feeling Bullworthy? Bullworthy. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 76% from the critics. That's not bad. They seem yeah. to generally like yeah. it. The audience yeah. is, we have a direct tie with IMDb, 68%. So, dead eat. You guys, this is this is an Academy Award nominated <laughs> film. <laughs> in 1998, yeah. yeah. In 1998, one of the best years for cinema in American mm -hmm. history, this was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay. That's absolutely right, Travis. Wow. Lost out to Shakespeare that's, that's and a Love, reality. I believe. 
Yeah, a lot that's of mistakes were made that really? year. That's total bullshit, though. That's that's total uh, Warren Beatty's power getting that done. That's how I see that. Because he's <laughs> such a Hollywood guy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you look at the Oscars that year. 1999 came out in 98. 1999 Oscars. Yeah, wow. That's <laughs> the other the other ones. Can anyone get? I mean, it's tough to remember every film, but it was a great Save year for private. Saving Private Ryan was 98, right? Paul yep. Schrader's Affliction, which is easily the best screenplay of that year. Mm. Uh, the Thin Red Line was oh, popular God. that year. Superb. That's and, a big year for movies. Yeah, you're right. And, uh, of course, uh, the one year that Roberto Benigni took over the Academy Awards with his Life is Beautiful, which Life is, is a, beautiful. It's a great movie. It is. It is. Yeah, that's wild. Uh, the screenplay, <laughs> it's just so funny to see that, yeah, the screenplay based on, oh, this was the adapted one? Hmm? Yep. No, this is best original screenplay. Best original, best screenplay written directly for the screen. Shakespeare in Love, Bullworth, Life is Beautiful, Save It, Private Ryan, and The Truman Show, too. Wow. It's an incredible list of One movies. of these things is not like the others. <laughs> oh, we'll see. Oh. oh. How about so those, Eric. how about those uh, critical reviews? <laughs> Let's see. I knew, I knew you were going to love this fucking movie. <laughs> we don't have a, we don't have a ton of critical reviews here. It's a pretty light load. Um, I'm surprised because it got a 76, but it's also 25 years old. Yeah. Um, and not about, talked about, like we said. So You're right. Just like completely re removed yeah. from pop culture. Uh, Kenneth Turin of the LA Times in 2001 said the following. What gives Bullworth its unique character is that all this silliness is periodically punctuated by cogent, carefully thought out mini manifestos. Mm. All right. Yeah. I agree with that statement. Sure. I don't disagree with it. Yeah. He's, there, he's... there are cogent mini manifestos peppered throughout. <laughs> yep. Agreed. There's a lot of pictures of uh, murdered black leaders from the past and uh, a lot of talking about not just Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, but Huey Newton and all that stuff. So, mm -hmm. um, Roger Ebert, once upon a time, said, Ebs. Bullworth plays like a cry of frustrated comic rage. It's about an archetypal archetypal how do i say that word right i, I think arch, archetypal i think archetypal right. character uh, archetypical Arch <laughs> anyways Arch we don't know continue no, 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 no. okay i'm not alone we know uh, what the word means at least we can give ourselves that credit that's right yes <laughs> character who increasingly seems to stand for our national mood the guy who's fed up and isn't going to take it anymore he liked it roger three out of four stars three and a half out of four stars hmm. critics loved it uh yeah that's kind of surprising uh one more not uh we're gonna try barbara shulgasser shulgasser from the san francisco right. examiner Beatty and co-writer jeremy pixer take witty criticisms of social failure to a shavian level of simultaneous erudition and absurdity <laughs> that's very well uh, a lot of words in that one yeah verbose so Watching this movie, there is, I got to tell you, so the rap and, you know, Bullworth eventually becomes a rapping politician who's fed up with it. He wants to kill himself. He's depressed. He's put out this hit on himself. Uh, by the way, I thought it'd be cooler if they didn't actually reveal that it was a picture of him. And when they hit, when they brings like the liaison to the hitman in, in the beginning, that's just a side note, uh, but no, you're right. They could have, they could have maybe not through the whole movie, but like uh, for the first act, let you believe that he's hired someone else to murder someone else. And then you realize later that it's him. That would have been more effective. I agree. 
Also, <laughs> Ennio Morricone, you catch that? <laughs> Do you hear Morricone? I saw his name in the fucking credits. I don't remember hearing Morricone at all. The only thing, the only thing is a <laughs> whenever like things are creepy or there's someone afoot who might be doing something dastardly. Yeah. That's it. So he composed like Apparently an they hour. cut out a ton of it. Yeah. Like he, he was pissed. He was pissed. He composed like an hour's worth of music and they tossed it all out except for like 30 seconds. Oh, my God. That's true. You got Ennio Morricone and you just fucking shit the bed. Yep. Good God. Yeah. It, it's ridiculous that he made the effort to do that, but then they ended up just putting a bunch of pop. This is what Beatty does. Like, Beatty is infamous for like tinkering and obsessing, and he's like, I don't know if we can put this out yet. This is really a common thing for those that don't know Warren Beatty's style. He takes decades sometimes to put a project together. He blew it on the Howard Hughes thing, and that ended up being yeah. a piece of shit by the time he put it out in 2016, as we mentioned recently on the show. But, well, if you over tweak, you're going to make it overwrought, typically. You know. I mean, this movie's filled with. There's so many people in this movie. I mean, so when you guys yeah. texted, "Hey, Oliver Platt," okay, cool. That was. I know Travis loves Oliver Platt, so that was hopeful. Yeah, that that was Eric that, uh, that texted that. But yep, I definitely love the Platt. Uh, we got we got a long we got a young Isaiah Whitlock Jr. in there. We got Laurie Metcalf hanging out. We got Sean Astin with very little dialogue. <laughs> Just like, what are you doing here? <laughs> he's got like one line. What? He's like Sean X, Sean Astin, the extra. Yeah. What the fuck is happening? Hey, you want to play a cameraman? Is that like the easiest thing to do? Is play a cameraman who says almost nothing? Here, just hold this camera. Literally, I think he literally had one line. I'm like, kept on waiting for him to speak. Well, he's like, a, he's about to go on? into like this like tangential speech about his beliefs, and like they literally just cut him off and <laughs> show some stupid other scene. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, this yeah. is baby at the. I mean, yeah, we had Ishtar, but like, this guy is like, he was pretty much like at the top of his game. He was getting like, he, he had like carte blanche in Hollywood. Like, he could have done anything. Like, he had so mm -hmm. much success even in the 90s when he was in his 50s with Bugsy and Love Story and, and Tracy. That was all one. But, but like, yeah. yeah, this was like, okay. it's so funny when you <laughs> Bugsy. read into this script. Bugsy. Bugsy. Underrated. Um, yeah, Bugsy's good. Like, the studio didn't really know what the fuck this was. Like, not only because he was taking so long with the, the script, but, but he was deliberately withholding <laughs> very pertinent information about what this story was about. He's like, oh, yeah, it's a comedy about a guy who takes, not even a politician, but a guy who takes a hit out on himself and then falls in love and wants to cancel the hit. <laughs> yep. Wow. The, the skeleton of the story. I'm going to leave out the... I'm going to leave out the meat here, which is me being 60 years old and rapping about politics. Yep. Well, <laughs> Poorly. Okay, so this is the crux of this issue with this film for me, guys, is this movie is actually chock full of, like, awesome tidbits that I completely agree with that is completely wrong. This was 25 years ago. People talk about like, everything's falling apart today. All of these things were happening 25 years ago already, and it wasn't wrong. Yeah. The influence of money and obviously things will get worse down the road with Citizens United and actions like that. It Paul Servino playing the Southern insurance man who uh, gets mm -hmm. betrayed. This movie has so many outstanding tidbits, but the process and the method with the execution of trying to get the message out is like... Like, he's, okay, a guy loses it. Like, it's a fantasy, clearly. A politician decides to say, you know what? I, I've, I'm just, like, done. I'm having a meltdown here, and I'm just going to say what's on my mind. Like, when he's in the church scene in the early part, mm -hmm. the things he says there are 
They're just spot on. Yeah, we all showed up when the L.A., you know, the whole meltdown happened in 92 with L.A. riots and all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And then we left. We just forgot about you. That's exactly what happens and what still happened then. So that, I agree yeah. with that. But then, like, these, that he turns into this goofball rapping guy. <laughs> I feel like it loses some of the power of the message. That's exactly the point I made. And it's not even necessarily him, although he does say some things I really agree with. Socialized uh, medicine will save us all. Let's fuck race out of existence. I'm into that. He said yeah. a bunch of things I agree with. But uh, it's not even just him, but some of the most... Uh, the, some of the most powerful moments of the movie. I think I thought the best scene in the movie in terms of like the message, it was him and Halle Berry in the car when she's talking about, she's he's asking her if she, if she knows who Huey Newton is and she's, she fucking grew up being fed by the Black Panthers uh, breakfast program and that whole that whole breakdown, which she brings back in later. And it's, but even that, like you get these gems and they're just like spurted out really quickly in like this dense fucking dialogue in a one minute scene. You know what I mean? And then you're back to like, him rhyming clock with talk and you know <laughs> back with whack it's just like the it's like oh man this is it's it just it distracts from a message that i otherwise strongly agree with them throughout oh man like it's really hard to come like i don't know where to come at this with like my battleship <laughs> at all like do i just hit the rap head on yeah his raps are stupid it's like fucking dr seuss mm. like and it's like it's it's cringeworthy, but like, it's supposed it's point, to be. Right? I mean, it it's doing exactly right. what the story mandates it to be. A, a, a man that's out of his mind, having a nervous breakdown, that is influenced by what he's seeing in this, you know, alien culture, and then he attempts it, and it makes him happy. So you know, saying that the raps are stupid, yeah, but it's kind of it's it's farce. It's it's like, it's like pr the producers. It's like old school Mel Brooks, in my opinion. This is one of mm. those instances, I've only done it a couple of times before, I think I did it with SLC Punk, that it's going to be important for me to announce early on how I feel about the movie. I love this movie. I loved it. I was laughing the entire time. I love it. So wow. I'm, I'm here to defend any points you guys uh, have negatively about this picture. <laughs> Wow, I love doing love this it. show. You never know what someone's going to say. That's a, I'm blown away. Wow. When it first okay. starts, That's so like, funny. it's just Warren Beatty. He's so weird because I'm writing my notes and I'm like, Warren Beatty, what is this quality? And like, it, you know, <laughs> I, I write down like um, deadpan aloofness and like he, he does that perfectly in my opinion. And then he, he goes with it. And like every time like he's... <laughs> In these scenarios, he's got this like befuddled look on his face. I'm laughing, like it's it's a farce. It's like a, an idiotic character, but like my like my problem is like I'm watching it and I'm thinking about an, a movie I watched a couple weeks ago, uh, Office Space. Okay, in that movie, like Peter Gibbons goes through like this experience where he doesn't give a fuck about anything anymore, and now his life is a lot better and he's happy. But it's not because of anything like he he experienced or changed. He's hypnotized. Okay, it's the same thing here. Borth is just he's nuts. He he's crazy. So like like he, yeah, boomer breakdown. The exactly. Movie. Like he, nothing influences him that 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 turns a switch. He's just crazy. It, it's bizarre. Three days no sleep. He hasn't eaten. Yeah, they make a real big point in the early part of like establishing these facts. To why he's yeah. so depressed now, other than the fact that he's had enough. But maybe it was just because well, he didn't sleep for three days. 
Well, no, it's because he's he traded in on his values. I mean, he's like a liberal fucking leftist, supposedly Democrat. The movie starts with him with all these neoconservative talking points. And so he's disgusted with we himself. We stand on the doorstep of a new millennium. Did you know that we stand on the doorstep of a new millennium? <laughs> um, yeah, so I, you know he he hates himself and who yeah. he's become because they show and, him as and, like a this uh, idealist with all these these famous figures throughout history. Right, right. Well, right. Beatty also we should be uh, to give a little bit more context. You know, Beatty did a movie called Reds in 1981, which is about uh, heavily about communism and socialism. It's a, based on a true story as well. So he, I kind of get the sense there that. He pretty much, this is who Beatty actually is. He wouldn't do oh, yeah. more than one movie about this type of aspect of trying to spread the agenda here or spread the message if he didn't really believe in it. I, I really do sincerely believe that. But that, I think, is part of the problem and gets to what your critique was earlier that I agreed with. And I think that like he's the kind of Hollywood leftist that like people that don't agree with him see something like this and like, what a fucking joke. <laughs> You know, like they they, they, yep. <laughs> they don't. I mean, they don't. There's a scene in the movie where Don Cheadle is, you know, more or less holding him almost captive, and he wraps his way out the door, <laughs> and they're everyone's so befuddled that he's just is able to get away with it. So I think that really reinforces your point, Eric. That like this is what we're supposed to be slack jawed, and like what the fuck is going on? But you have to approach this movie on different levels at the same time, and it takes uh, some nuance that uh, a lot of people are not going to. And we ourselves did not take the time to make. Listen, scumbag. Oh, God, it's so goofy. <laughs> yes. But it is funny. I, I did laugh at times. I do admit it. But there were other parts where I'm like, oh, geez. Like, I, I, mm. I will say that, like, he he didn't push this farther in the, in the aspect where he truly tried to emulate or mimic being a black man. Because it could have gotten even worse. So I'd, I'd, maybe he recognized <laughs> that. Maybe he actually did that and then he cut those scenes out. I don't know. But I I do know that there's a weird disconnect here where <laughs> the character is trying to get immersed in the black community. And, you know, like those two girls, like, love him right away. The one that volunteered valets afterwards. Like, mm -hmm. oh, we love what you're doing here. But I also feel like a lot of these characters would be like, dude, this guy is whack. Like, they would have said that. Like, <laughs> fuck this guy. But if it's also, it's a fantasy and a farce, like you said, so maybe I just need to accept that and move on from that point. I'm going to use a term that uh, is a little dated, but, I mean, it's, it's it has liter literal meaning, or, like, you know, in terms of literary meaning and that kind of stuff, which is magical Negro. This is like, there we go. there's a lot of that going on in this film. Now, I love the fact that when those two girls joined the choir, they improved the choir drastically and that kind of stuff. But throughout the movie, you have this guy who is meeting multiple black people or just showing him like, hey, this is the way. And I'm I mean, I again, like I agree with a lot of it, but it's just it's like it's like you're right, Mike. Most of these people would not want to sit down and fucking hang out with him. And Halle Berry is only interested in doing it because she's a fucking assassin. Um, right. but, the, but you're right. Like all these other people are, are very strongly interested in hanging out with him. He hardly interacts with anyone who is not a, like a drug dealer or like smoking marijuana or drinking beer. You know what I mean? Like there's very few black people that he interacts with that are not somewhat stereotypical in a lot of ways. I mean, it's, there's, I, th I think there, there's some good intentions here, but some of it you know, is a little, I mean, it's a little awkward. <laughs> to say the least. Betty's, mm. B Betty's a lifelong <laughs> Democrat. And what, what I, I like a known big Hollywood Democrat. And what I love about this right. film is like, he spends the, a lot of it like shit talking Democrats, like or at least exposing them for the 
for the um, same types of parasites that exist in any other bipartisan politics. Like for him to do that back then, like right after the Clinton scandal and name all of these political figures like Buchanan and Dole and Clinton in the, in this film and, and, and basically mm-hmm. chastised the party for being, um, you know, a bunch of fucking hypocrites is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, at the same time, Travis, you're right. In the church, like he insults these people right to their face, pisses on them. And then like, mm-hmm. as a yep. writer, he's just going to be like, okay, then they're going to like him kind of an easy out. But yeah. again, it's just a way for him to be able to tell this story to get us thinking. I'm not looking at characters that are acting rationally. I mean, these two become valets at a Beverly Hills mansion and they're from like South Central LA. They're not going to get that volunteer job. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. He also, Travis, as far as the stereotypes you just laid out, he seems to be universally stereotyped. I mean, the whole scene with the Jews and that dinner, I mean, he does stereotyped a lot in that scene. I mean, he's ripping no, on Hollywood not, too. No, I'm not saying you're not I'm doing not say- Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I'm not. I'm sorry, but I'm not saying that he is being stereotypical towards people. I'm th- saying the characters are he's interacting with are stereotypes. All those 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 kids that are drug dealers and all that kind of shit. I mean, like a lot of the people themselves are pretty stereotypical. The characters themselves. That, okay, so you're right. Thank you. I want to clarify that. Yeah, it's not all Jews who work in Hollywood. So that again was like he's doing that. Like, yeah, we're going to the big Hollywood dinner with all the Jews. All the um, big Jews. But these right. are. Yeah, right. The big Jews, and he rips on his own industry too. I mean, yeah. we make shit, yeah. and that's yeah. I got I give him credit for that. I know he he has. I don't give him tons of credit though because he's one of the few people who knows the power he has, or is at least the credibility or the cachet, if you will, that he has gained over the years, so he can do something like this. I think almost nobody else could do this outside of what we saw with Gary uh, Gary Alt- Robert Altman and the Player, which was also a similar teardown of Hollywood. He had that position to mm-hmm. do so, and not everybody else has that. No, it's a good I point. I think aside from Wag the Dog the previous year, like we had seen in the 90s, just some like really fluffy, asinine political, even comedies, let alone satires, like the fucking American president and my fellow Americans love it. and guarding tests. Like, it's good. This is like, love well, it. Dave, love it. I love Dave. They're, they're fun, <laughs> but they're also movies. like extremely accessible. Uh, that's why I, I dig this movie for just being so fucking brazen. If anything, well, this was the same year as Primary Colors, and apparently, yeah. I re- you guys read about this how there was a uh, Beatty wanted uh, Eli Kazan to write this, and then there was oh. a split. Kazan went with Primary Colors, hmm. and then so Beatty wow. like this was a battle. It's not officially like uh, Dante's in peak versus Volcano yeah. or whatever, but or Armageddon. That was uh, I do have to correct Deep you. Impact. That was Elaine May. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah, my bad. Thank you. Thank you for the correction. We need that. I did that off the top of my head. Um, okay, so <laughs> there's a lot of... What else, guys? Go ahead. Give me something. Uh, let's talk about Halle Berry a little bit. This this certainly helped improve her stardom. I mean, she was well-known at this point, but she was she's still playing the sexy woman a lot, you know, like the Flintstones mm-hmm. and, and that Baps. kind of stuff. And, she, and she's... Yeah, Baps, exactly. <laughs> she, she's... She's showing, you know, her stomach a lot in that in this kind of stuff, mm. but she's finally given a lot to say and uh, a viewpoint, um, which you know, she does some good work. And I think losing I- Isaiah for also, but I mean, you know, what I mean, I think I think this Jungle Fever. A, hey, that's her first movie, and it's a good one. Yeah. Um, 
but I think this was I think this helped her probably and make people like take her a little bit more seriously. I I feel like maybe um, yeah, take her more seriously. She totally... can do swordfish, <laughs> <laughs> and then she could play storm. Well, that was nice. That's true too. Uh, yeah, she does a lot of so... looking around and oogling, but she's also given that <clears throat> fantastic monologue that really encapsulates the entire crisis of the black middle class in like what 30 seconds yeah. of dialogue yeah it is that is pretty much the highlight of the whole movie right there is that scene i feel like well there's also don cheeto in this movie when you got other famous one of the Travis. I mean, you got some guys you could yeah. really be drawn to uh, he's got yeah. easily one of my favorite scenes when you have these like cartoon characters straight out of like brats those little dolls you get out of the machine at the grocery store <laughs> And it, but you have Don Cheadle referring to him as his soldiers, and Warren Beatty's like, what the fuck are you talking about? No, these are children. And Don Cheadle's like, are you fucking kidding me? These are entry-level uh, drug dealers because that's the only business that they have the opportunity to become uh, somebody in because they're not making money at Burger King, I think he says. And he's convincing in it. Uh, you know, Granted, it's dumbed down immediately by Dr. Seuss rap right after that, but it's a cool moment that says something about youth culture in that area and our perceptions of these kids that are walking around with guns well what the fuck else are they supposed to do yeah but as travis points earlier there there are plenty of yes i know there are clearly we have racial uh challenges for african-americans that were pushed down by slavery and had to try to make up ground for hundreds of years here but there's a lot of other ways they could have done other things it's not like I thought that having like kid soldiers was it was a way to like really push an extreme meshes. I, I thought that that I didn't love that scene as much as you enjoyed it, Eric. I, you make good points, but I I don't see it the same. I guess we got Paul. We got Lips Manless himself, Paul Sorvino. How about that accent? Convinced? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Also, by the way, Don totally. Cheadle, same year he did Out of Sight, and this is almost like the exact same character. I feel bad for Don oh, Cheadle man, right. that he had to redo that again just to get credibility and move up in Hollywood, which I believe probably did happen. <laughs> yeah. How about the the raving homeless man who uh, tells oh. him, he's like, like, speaking of mystical or magical, right? Like, this guy just shows up in these numerous scenes and tells him to sing and to be a spirit, not a ghost. And he even gets to end the movie by talking to yeah. the audience directly and telling us to be a spirit, not a ghost, which means fuck all to me. No one can explain. Yeah, I don't get that whole part of it at all. Like, that's the inspiration for him to rap? I That's the only thing I see out of that. And even then, I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Who that cares? Bizarre freeze frame on Cedar sinai and a slow pullback and it's all <laughs> still frozen. And then it starts moving all of a sudden. I'm like, what? Who? edited this that was, was Warren asleep was rough. what because, happened because I actually I, I love that I mean Vittorio Storario shoots it and this is one of the great cinematographers of all time a conformist's most beautiful picture I've ever seen in my life Apocalypse Now but I, I do love that scene where it, it cuts up to where Sorvino was and it's all black and they're all pointing at the area um, very Lorraine yeah. Motel but they it, right after that, I'm like, go to credits, go to credits. But they go to that dumb scene where it's fucking like straight Scatman Crothers kick the can oh, bullshit, yeah. and it's like, oh fuck, dumb, dumb. Because they they couldn't didn't have the balls to actually have him die at the end. Uh, don't forget Dick Stenslin's in this, uh, creeping around a lot from LA Confidential, uh, scumbag detective in that movie. But this one, he's the guy who's we think he's the killer who's been assigned but actually he's the one who takes oh. photos uh, dick stenzel and yeah, yeah. 
that's a that's a misdirect to this movie. Yeah. Ooh, wow, really threw me for a loop. Who was Platt's assistant? Is that was that, that guy. a Raimi? That guy. That guy. Looks like a Raimi. That the guy. Aide. He's I, the, the only. I think he gave me the only big laugh I got in this movie, which is like towards the end when uh, they you know they walk up to <laughs> Warren Beatty's character finally wakes up because no one thought, hey, let's wake this motherfucker up. The whole world's falling apart. But finally he wakes up and someone goes up to him to Warren Beatty and says like, oh, the man of the hour, how you doing? And the other guy goes, oh, I'm feeling fine, thanks. I got a big kick out of that. I thought that was pretty. Funny. It's like the only line he yeah, had in the he movie. Never got that and he's like trying to chase. Did you to taste oh. the bubble of coke? That also made me laugh. Well, speaking yeah, of I that remember guy. him from that show Sports Night once upon a time. That's it. Otherwise, yes. I don't know where else well, he's, he's from. He's like the aide on like the West Wing. And speaking of which, Aaron Sorkin, your buddy, yeah. he did a polish on this uh, draft, yeah. Michael. He did? Tell which, oh, yeah, you could totally tell which pieces of dialogue were his, too. The ones that were those dense fucking paragraphs of <laughs> ah, uh, policy. Yeah. Policy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, that makes sense. I could see that being the case. But, I, you know, by the time it gets to the point where he's on TV for that interview and he's just taking it even further, everything he's saying, everything Bullworth is saying in that sit-down interview is so true. It's like, I'm like, yeah, I agree with everything this guy's saying right here. This is a great message. And that how, yeah, the real politicians are on standby, like you said, Eric. They're waiting to go live to a debate or something else mm -hmm. with real, actual United States politicians at the time. That takes guts. I get that. And, and then at the same time, you're kind of wondering, well... How is this going to go now? Where, for me, I was like, where's this movie going to end now? Because I actually really couldn't remember anything about it other than the stupid raps. So, I, had, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I had no recall of how it would kind of finish up. But uh, by that point, there's actually a cohesion. And, you know, Don Cheadle's character has this, he actually gets convinced. I don't know if it's by the rap or what, but he actually gets convinced <laughs> to change his ways because he sees a movement brewing. And I got to tell you guys, for a split second, I'm like, oh, man, this would be so awesome. Like all of these forces coming together that actually meaningful change could take place. And then I started to get the hint like, oh, he's probably going to, someone's going to die here and this is all going to get shut down. But I actually did get like, I kind of got hopeful. I was like, oh man, this would be great if this could actually happen. I was pretty much watching it and being like, well, someone would totally try and kill this motherfucker. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Well, yeah. does, I, I mean, I, I guess I am a little confused. Doesn't, Don Cheadle go to kill Bullworth at the studio. I, that was all. That third act was very rushed. But doesn't he? Because he goes, let's get on the news, yeah. which is kind of a cool line. But like, doesn't he go True. there to assassinate him? I don't know. I don't it's know. it's confusing. You got this. Like, I don't care about this debt with the brother of Leo you know, Halle Berry's characters, yeah. Isaiah Washington. Yeah, it's okay. Whatever's going on there and. Yeah, it does get kind of confusing there. The only thing that was realistic was that he would absolutely pass out and sleep forever. That would happen. There's no way you could just go that long without sleep. You would crash, and he crashed. So I did, I did like that Don Cheadle's character had like the, the fake casts. He's like, you can either wear these, or we can break your legs, and you can wear these. That was yeah. pretty funny. And then that, I, also, I also have a... Go ahead, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was I disconnected. I was going to move on to something else. Well, in that house, too, is there are a lot of black characters that are, you know, they're just regular people they're not just drug dealers. You know, you mentioning the point earlier about a lot of drug dealers and uh, that sort. That family in there, they're talking about how it's difficult to go out on their street every day and they're just trying to live their lives. So that was the one area of the film where mm -hmm. I saw characters like, okay, well, at least we're getting some representation of just like regular people trying to get yeah. by every day. But that was it. And it makes and it makes sense for an assassin to bring her target to meet her family. Absolutely. It makes all the sense of the world. It's the first thing you Absolutely. do in the playbook. Perfect. 
perfectly normal. Speaking of uh, representation, especially in Southern California, are there any Latin Americans in this movie? (laughs) (laughs) Not a one, dude. I don't think there's a fucking one. (sighs) Nope. I don't know. I did. It wasn't noticeable. I'll say I that. I, yeah, you're. Not that they have point. to like bring some in, but like in, no, even but, in Bulwer's talking points, it's black, white, black, white. Nobody else is mentioned. And that's, and that's a liberal failing, you know, to 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 have like this binary white and black, as if there isn't tons of other people of color that have also been, you know, oppressed and neglected politically. It's twenty five years yeah, ago. Yeah. I'm not surprised, but it, you're right. I'm not disagreeing yeah. with you. It's just. That was yeah. the norm back then. Oh, what was the point you were going to bring up, Travis? Uh, Senator Bogart. Remember when he takes that dude's joint and mm-hmm. never gives it back to him at the party? The... Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's Clint Eastwood. Like... No, it's George Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> he just straight up takes that dude's joint and just walks away. I'm like, what a fucking yeah. asshole. That guy's Jack too. I would not take that guy's <laughs> right? joint at all. No. Uh, I mean, yeah. No. no. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then he's but... scratching the records with dick and pussy. Dick, dick, pussy, pussy, dick. Yeah. Yeah, all the lyrics are all just about pussy and fucking and all this shit. I was like, oh. Mike, you weren't laughing at that stuff? Oh, I actually got a little bit of laugh uh, at the dick ending. It st- started, I'm like, oh, God. Warren Beatty could not, he doesn't know how to scratch. Senator Bullworth doesn't know how to scratch records. He couldn't get that right. That was annoying me the most. You're right. But I did get a little chuckle so, on the last dick, I think. I mean, this, this dick, this, this, this dick. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. Yeah, that is funny. I, I, lo- I, I love movies where, like, someone, like, completely is just unearthed and put into another culture and, like, they... They get into it. Um, I was reminded Ace Ventura of... too. <laughs> Lost in <laughs> Translation. Like I love Lost in Translation when this guy you totally don't expect, this rich, famous white guy, goes into this um, Japanese culture and just kind of like finds himself and chills in this... It's surrounded by these very young people and just kind of gets into it One naturally. Um, there's nothing... I don't know. Uh <laughs> but here, like it's it's, I kind of lost my train of thought. But like he, there's an opportunity for him to kind of naturally adapt to this, even this rap culture without going this far. Um, because yeah, he does kind of turn into kind of he turns into this absurd, ludicrous cartoon. Whereas he he could have just picked up on the tendencies, especially especially like poetically and rhythmically with um this inspiration and like just come out as like this still a sane person that just has like seen the other side of the fence and benefited from it was it a mistake to just go completely overboard and have him be this buffoon which he is like throughout the majority of the film he's just it's he's a buffoon it's a choice, but I think that you could have made two yeah. scripts, one with one as a farce and then one as a more not necessarily a, as appropriated as he is, but with an influence there that would have made an impact. Whereas I'm not sure Bullworth makes a huge impact even after like these few days and, and throughout these speeches. People would just be like, this guy's fucking crazy. What happened to Senator Bullworth? Yeah. Also, when he does the the rap with the insurance people about the oil men and all that stuff and the environment. Uh, a lot of these people are very powerful because they're strong egoists who got to that position because they kind of 
bend to the will of others. So I actually, I was like, wouldn't we get more of a response if he just starts walking around the dinner, the luncheon, rapping away, saying all these very harsh things? I feel like there would be a much more angry response as opposed to sad face Sorvino's like, oh, could you, you did this to me. It's like such a weird response. Like, Ooh, you betrayed me. I gave you $10 million in life insurance. But he's like, got like a sad quiver sh- lip. I think how shitty the fucking Walkman would sound through the yeah. microphone. <laughs> I know. I thought of that too. <laughs> like no way to get kind of bass like that. That's bullshit. Not terrible. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It's I guess a it's a movie. It's fine. It's a it's fantasy it's Bozo farce fest. You're right. So you have to decide, yeah. I think to like, make a decision of what you're watching and realize that that is the intention here is for this to be so off the rails that it would never happen but we all wish maybe it could happen a little bit because it's getting bad and then 25 more years later now added on to where we are today it's that much worse it really is and maybe people don't want to relive that and they're like try to escape they don't want to watch this episode or hear this episode because it's about in a way uh you know our political nightmare that we currently live in and was really already getting that bad 25 years ago i could understand that too Hmm. Okay. Like enjoyable watch? Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. We've said my piece. You guys have things you want to wrap up? (laughs) I like how it's shot almost predominantly. I like the decision to shoot it with the steady cam, like 90% of it, because it does give you this uneasy, queasy feeling to everything, because he's in balance, something's off, and it's erratic. And, um,. It's only after his, like, when the movie first starts out, the camera's locked down because he's trying to figure out where to go from here. And after he puts in that policy, uh, Storario switches over to the steady cam for everything else. And it's just this imbalanced feeling throughout the entire movie that I, that I really like. Um, so, yeah, I, like, I love the way it's shot. I, I love the richness of the, the darks and the colors and stuff. Uh, so no problems there. You watched it on Max? Yeah. I didn't. I, didn't, I thought it looked a little Did grainy. It? I didn't really notice the. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it looked like a '90s film that hasn't been like hasn't seen the 4K treatment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can. Yeah. There's so many now. people in this movie. Like you can't name them all. You know, you got. They're all just popping in and out. It's like, oh, hey, Jack Warden. Yeah. We didn't even mention him. This is like towards the end <laughs> of Jack Warden's career. Yeah. <laughs> Plays like a super nice guy though. Like usually he's a pretty tough dude in movies, but he's just nice old Davers. Yeah, yeah, underutilized, Christine but there. Well, he's got to be Joe, on Beatty's side. Um, you know, that's what he does. That's what they do. What's her name? Laurie Metcalf, like yeah. reaction shots only. Yeah, she was her, huge in the late night. Her and Wendell Pierce just hanging out in a C-SPAN truck the whole movie. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, that's right. It was Wendell Pierce. I, call, I said Isaiah Whitlock Jr. He has Wendell Pierce. You're right. Mm-hmm. I got my I got my wired dudes fi- mixed up. Yeah, well, there's so many people in this movie, it's forgiven, seriously. You can't keep track of it I all. That's what me. Beatty does. He brings everybody aboard. And there's so many other little random moments from people that you recognize that it's hard to keep track of it all. But, yeah, I guess that's pretty much it. I, we can wrap it up. I go first because I picked it. Is that how we do this? That's how we usually do it. Yeah, you know, this movie is so, so useful and actually impressive in its message. The The point of the film makes all the sense of the world. And it's something that a lot of people should probably relate to more than ever today if you, you're living in the United States of America. I mean, it was very, very accurate then, and now it's even more accurate that you know everything's been sacrificed or compromised, and there's been no real organizational structure that can push back, particularly focusing on 
specifics too with the bottling up of bills in committee. Like he gets that detailed early on in the film mm -hmm. by talking about that. That's that's exactly what happens. You, we're going to give you tons of money. You're going to slow this thing down. It's never going to gain any traction. This insurance bill is supposed to help a lot of people. And then you got you got classic. Uh, it's not like straight up racism, right? Because it, it's like that. It's not dog whistle either. There's Paul Servino's character early on in that meeting with Warren Beatty's character says, I respect Michael Jordan and all these people that have jobs, he says, which is like, oh, my God. This is the exact face because he says, I, I, I like African-Americans. But then he starts right. talking about the crack addle or AIDS riddled, all these other things where you're me like right. that. This is this is what racism is in modern America today. It's it's not directly like that. They try to put on a good front, but all of the actions are counterintuitive to protecting or preserving any of the opportunities and rights for minority groups. That's just, that to me, that ranks so true. And all the messages in here with the serious moments are very, very valuable uh, quality points that I'm like, hell yeah, shit, this is even more now in, in 2023. I agree with this and we need to get the word out more. And socialism being the dirty word, socialism, the way he does it yeah. in his stupid rap. That's so spot on, sadly, 25 years later. But <laughs> as a execution of the film, it's kind of all over the place for me, and it makes it difficult to absorb the message. I think unless you're someone, you know, I'm not anything special. I'm kind of your typical Joe, I guess. But I, I definitely lean a lot more into you know, what's fair and right for all the people. So I guess that would put me in a, in a lefty area over there. And I, I, I know that, but for people who are just kind of like not paying attention and working their ass off every day and try to take care of their families or whatever it is where they're not paying attention. If you put this movie on, you're like, what, what the fuck? What is all this? Like a lot of it might be really lost on people. So absolutely, I actually, I, this is so hard guys. This is harder than last week's. And I thought last week's was tough. I, I'm going to say that this movie holds up because of the message. I don't like the execution at all. And I think there could have been a lot of been things that could have been changed about the Bullworth character and how he goes about his business and how he connects with the black community. That could be different. But having said that, it's just a really, really useful and inspiring and current message that still stands in this world right now that we do need. So in that respect, I think people should see it and take a look at it for more than what you see on the surface and a lot of the errors and mistakes and look at what's really the bottom line uh, agenda is with this film. They're trying to help us uh, in a way. He is. He was trying to do something right here and I say it holds up. Eric, you want to? Sure. You yeah, I, I, I think this it. movie's fucking fantastic. Uh, I, I'm glad that it exists, man. Like, it's dumb and goofy. But I mean, it's entertaining. Like I, I wasn't bored for a second. I, I, I thought the movie was really fun. It moves along at this really brisk pace and like an erratic pace, uh, and it, it's got a shitload to say. Like it says it in such a bizarre way that that I, I applaud it for that alone. I mean, clearly it's a, I mean, clearly it's a fantasy because like this 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 radically progressive senator like wins in a landslide that's not happening we saw somebody who was completely radical and promoted socialism and he definitely did not win in a landslide um with bernie sanders but someone like this who's fictionalized you can you can have them come out and say this stuff and have people support them and get a reaction out of it this i mean the stuff he's saying mike you're right is in, in travis is is super important that we 
we middle class white dudes have so much more in common with marginalized people than with these rich motherfuckers and their kingdoms. Yes. I mean, I, we say that now uh, emphatically. No one's saying that in 1998. They're sucking Bill Clinton's dick um, completely and totally. So I, I think this is a completely brazen, clever, silly, dumb, goofy farce that's not uh, appreciated enough, in my opinion. Soundtrack's fucking awesome. All these all these songs are really fun to listen to. Uh, like you're not laughing at Bullworth like trying to fucking work the hydraulics on that on that car. It's fucking funny, dude. It's dumb, but it's fucking funny. I I, I think the movie's important overlooked and i'm glad you brought it i'm glad i got to see it <laughs> all right <clears throat> i think you guys make some really great points and i agree with many of them uh most of them uh mike in particular i thought that your breakdown was almost exactly how i feel that this movie has such well you guys basically said the same thing and i'll so i'll keep this kind of short but the points the political points made throughout this film are just so spot on and needed in 98 and two in 2023 and you know 2050 i'm sure hopefully not but i don't think we're going to be there yet <laughs> um so i i do enjoy so much about that and agree with so much about that and think that these are important messages that said, like I've listened to many bands in my life that have political messages and the music has to be good. I can't sit there and bob along to Boy Sets Fire or Bad Religion or some band like that, that who has this political message that I agree with. And and then I, I mean, I, I, I try and put on something else, you know, that maybe has some similar stuff. And it's like, OK, I just I just can't connect with this. It has to I have to like what's being packaged in. And for me, this I mean, I, again, I. I I'm, I think I'm smart enough to get the the joke that this we're supposed to be laughing at him like Warren Beatty's leaning into the absurdity of what he's doing and that's that's the bit that's that's the comedy um but I, I did not find a lot of it to be very funny or entertaining mostly just awkward and kind of cringy and not in a particularly enjoyable way and compounded that with the fucking Oscar nomination made me think more about the actual plot and the actual script. And as I mentioned, the fucking assassin following, following him around all night, never killing him, uh, never really trying that hard to take him someplace other than her fucking home. Um, there's all, I think that there's a lot of big misses in terms of, and that ending sucks. I mean, I, like I literally, I was like, like the movie ended. I'm like, well, that was lame. And you know, like fucking that end, like not him being shot. I was okay with that. But that, that bookend that we already mentioned, there's, there's too many misfires in this movie for me. I, I agree with a lot of it. And I, I do think it's better than I remember. And it's better than most people probably realize. So it's worth catching, but I can't say it holds up as a good movie for me. No argument here, man. I get it. I totally get it. Great point. Yeah. Uh, oh man. Right. Well, yeah. There you go. That's that's Bullworth. You know, I was young when I saw this movie, and I just thought it was stupid. But now that I understand <laughs> things a lot more at the age of forty-two, I saw a lot yeah. more to it at least. So there's definitely sure. If you're our age or around our age at all, and you saw it, and you're like, "That was the dumbest shit I ever saw." Take another look at it. Give it a shot. Yeah, it's worth it. See, it's worth it. Nice. All right, uh, Travis. Next week, you're on the clock. What's cooking? Okay, so I have had this movie in my head for 
years now to bring on the show. Wow. And I always just told myself, it's too obscure. It's too obscure. It's too obscure. And then we did train spotting in Sin City, like back to back. And I'm like, well, we can finally do it. And Bullworth, Academy Award nominated film, that's a big movie too. So I'm going to dig deep on this film. If you want to watch it, there's a 4K version on YouTube. That's the only place Holy you can shit. watch it right now. Uh, I'm going to say a few words here, and maybe you know what I'm talking about. I wouldn't be surprised if you guys seen this movie a million times, if you've never heard of it before. We're talking Corey Haim, 1990, joining a dystopian rollerblade gang. We're going to watch Prayer of the Roller Boys from 1990. Never heard of it. Yep. You know, all you need to know is Corey, Corey Haim, dystopian rollerblade gang. This is all you need to know. to watch. <laughs> It's on YouTube. There's a good 4K um, remastered version on there. Yes, it's, it's available to watch. I, I double-checked and made sure. It's not streaming anywhere else. All you right. guys ever heard of it? No. Never heard of it. Next. It's a real movie? <laughs> it's, yeah, man, it's a real fucking movie. I've seen it many times. It's a real movie. I believe right. it. Okay. I don't know that you're going to like it, but it's going to give us plenty to talk about. I'm pretty sure. Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, I look forward to watching this film. I love Corey Haim. Haim in a three-timer club with this uh, podcast. <sighs> Keeps coming back. No way. Three times? the Roller Boys. Three times? Yeah. Holy shit. Three times. That's amazing. Okay, that's cool. Well, there it is. That's the uh, latest edition of our show called the Cinema Nine Podcast. It's a lot of fun. And I'm glad you guys joined us. Travis Roy, Eric Brancher, Michael Govier. Of course, Fawn was in the mix, too, so uh, devastation. you guys enjoyed her background. Destroyed the uh, room, snow, but uh, didn't fuck up the show. <laughs> yeah. Good job, Fawn. Hey, that's a win. gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> Travis, Eric, Michael. Bye-bye. Is that how white people rap? <laughs>